Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This is an apostrophe podcast production. We regret to inform you, the Rejection Podcast. I was at the end of my rope. I thought, could it be that this is not meant for me? It was this horrible existence. Rue Paul. In late 1960, Ernestine Charles walked into a psychic studio in San Diego, California. She was pregnant with her third child after having twins seven years earlier, and she wanted to know what she was in for this time around. So she sat down, and the psychic gave her two predictions. It's going to be a boy, and he's going to be famous. A few months later, Ernestine gave birth to a son, and she and her husband Irving, a beauty supply store operator, decided to name him RuPaul. Today, many assume RuPaul is a stage name, but not so. It actually comes from gumbo. Ernestine and Irving were both originally from Louisiana, and they wanted to name their son something that was an homage to their roots. And in the Deep South, a Ru, spelled R-O-U-X, is a common term. It's the base of most Cajun and Creole recipes, 
like gumbo or gravy, typically a mix of equal parts flour and fat. Ernestine just simplified the spelling. RuPaul later joked on the Bonnie Hunt show that the Ru part of his name he can actually explain. It's the Paul he cannot. Growing up in San Diego, RuPaul spent his days running around his family's backyard in the sun, laughing and dressing up in his sister's clothes. From an early age, he loved clothing, men's or women's, heavy tweeds or shiny mylar. He says it wasn't drag, it was fun. But RuPaul also describes his childhood as traumatic and tumultuous. His parents' marriage was turbulent. They spent the first few years of RuPaul's life at war with each other. In the heat of one of their arguments, Ernestine held a match over Irving's gasoline-soaked car inside the garage of their family home. RuPaul learned at that very young age to mentally check out of the situation and turned to his older sisters, Renata and Renee, for comfort. Then when he was five, his parents finally separated. The pending divorce was meant to end the war and provide some relief for their now four young children. But it only got worse. Ernestine fell into a deep depression that lasted nearly two years. Irving shut down emotionally and moved away. And RuPaul was left turning to his sisters not only for comfort, but to raise him and his new baby sister, Rosie. His parents made a plan that Irving would drive back to San Diego and take the kids on weekends. So every Saturday, Renata, Renee, RuPaul, and Rosie would sit on the porch anxiously awaiting his headlights in the driveway. To pass the time, they made it a game, betting on whether or not the next car that drove past would be Dad. But inevitably, the sun set, and the four siblings wandered back inside to bed, feeling disappointed and rejected. RuPaul, or Ruru, as his sisters called him, performed for his mother nearly every day in the living room. He knew that for a few minutes, watching him dance would lift her spirits. So he would slide on her dresses, her lipstick, and her clip-on earrings, and sing Diana Ross at the top of his lungs with a broom for a microphone. Everything he did, his mother told him, was perfect. It didn't matter that the necklines of her dresses hung well below his chest or that his singing was off-key. To Ernestine, whatever it was, it was a showstopper. RuPaul later said that he never had to come out to his mother because under her roof, he never had to be in she understood that, quote, Rue was Rue. Renata attended modeling school, and after class, she'd teach her baby brother how to strut down a runway. Then in March of 1968, Barbarella arrived on their doorstep. She came in the form of a Life magazine cover, showing Jane Fonda in a metallic bodysuit holding her iconic space rifle. RuPaul became obsessed and spent hours trying to recreate her pose in the mirror. At 11 years old, 
he caught a few reruns of Monty Python's Flying Circus on TV. It was mesmerizing. John Cleese and the troupe dressing up as 50s housewives or Queen Victoria-esque elderly British women, to the world, was hilarious and crazy. But to RuPaul, it was life-changing. It was the first time he saw male artists buck gender expectations and have it accepted as entertainment. He later told Vogue, it was a relief knowing there were other men in the world who liked to dress up. But beyond that, it showed him there were other humans out there who were similarly drawn to irreverence. He was fascinated by the nudge-nudge-wink-wink way Monty Python seemed to break the fourth wall. Then he discovered the true Holy Grail, David Bowie. From ages 13 to 15, RuPaul scribbled Bowie's name on, quote, anything that didn't move. Bowie was probably the most widely recognized gender-bending artist to ever crack the mainstream. He was radical, he was cool, he wore makeup. And yet, it was understood that he wasn't trying to be a woman. He was trying to be Bowie. It was a liberating concept. So RuPaul hitched his wagon to Ziggy's stardust in pursuit of the psychic's original proclamation, fame. San Diego is a navy town, a reason RuPaul says he'll be forever partial to a nautical print. But it's also a Republican town. For the vast majority of its history, San Diego has skewed overwhelmingly conservative. Today, its population is 65% white and just 6% African American. In the 70s, It was an environment that RuPaul says made him feel like an outer space alien. He searched high and low for his tribe, but no matter which facet of his identity he leaned into, he felt rejected, saying he was discriminated against by white people for being black, by black people for being gay, and by gay people for being too femme. From time to time, his family would drive to Los Angeles for the day to visit his cousins. RuPaul would ask his mother to detour down Hollywood Boulevard just so he could marvel at the Walk of Fame. Stargazing was his favorite pastime. Seeing his name in the sidewalk became his benchmark for success. It was the height of glamour. As he got older, Ru talked his mother into letting him wander down the busy street on his own. He spent hours examining the stars and the eccentric characters standing upon them before being picked up to head back home. San Diego was a mere 120 miles from Los Angeles, but it may as well have been the other side of the world. School was a challenging place for RuPaul. Before he even said a word, His name and towering six-foot-four height made him an instant outcast. He was introverted and labeled a sissy. RuPaul didn't fit in, but unlike all his other classmates, he didn't really want to. He spent all his time on the outside looking in, wondering why those on the inside weren't seeing the matrix of it all, the societally imposed roles they were all playing. 
so he quickly learned to be an observer, watching the popular kids from afar and studying their charisma. And in doing so, he began to unpack what made the boys boys and the girls girls. It was a crash course in anthropology. And at 14, RuPaul made an existential decision. He made a pact with himself not to conform to the regimented boxes the world wanted so desperately to squeeze him into, but instead to break the fourth wall and embark on a lifelong hunt for his tribe, the Bowies of the world. One day after school, he walked to the thrifty drugstore and flipped through fashion magazines. Inside were pictures of New York and Studio 54, and he thought, I need to go there. In the mid-70s, RuPaul's older sister, Renata, got married, and she and her new husband decided to leave San Diego and put down roots in Atlanta, Georgia. It wasn't New York, but it was a major city, so 15-year-old RuPaul packed his bags and moved to the Peach State. In Atlanta, RuPaul began attending a performing arts high school and felt his San Diego woes start melting away. He found himself surrounded by other David Bowie disciples and quickly realized this new city might allow him to create a new Ru, a confident Ru, a Ru who could be open about his love of Diana Ross and makeup without being called a sissy. In 1978, he went to see the Rocky Horror Picture Show. He sat transfixed watching Tim Curry's legendary performance in Heels and Garters. He later described the film as a portal he walked through and never looked back. Soon, he went to his first disco, and eventually RuPaul saw his very first drag show. A drag queen named Crystal LaBeja lip-synced to Donna Summer's Bad Girls in fishnet stockings. RuPaul was in awe. He loved the way LaBeja threw gender identity out the window. That night, he borrowed his sister's sewing machine and started putting together his own looks. He dropped out of high school and took the only job he could find, selling used cars. RuPaul loved public access television. It was ridiculous and more often than not, terrible. But that was its charm. He came across a series called The American Music Show. It was a weekly variety show that had an air of Monty Python. It took pop culture and turned it inside out, diving into queer culture in a way that a TV show on a proper network would never be allowed. So RuPaul wrote a letter to the producers, telling them how much he loved the show. And to his surprise, they wrote back, saying, come on over. So RuPaul excitedly joined the American Music Show. The show's weekly budget was $5, the cost of the videotape. But he quickly discovered his gut feeling was right. The other actors and producers were his tribe. He breathed a sigh of relief, And for the first time in his life, RuPaul appeared on TV. (music) 
Together with a few of his friends from the American Music Show, Rue started a punk rock band called Rue Paul and the U-Hauls. Their main objective was to push the envelope, to be as rebellious as possible. So one night, they did what Rue considered to be the ultimate act of rebellion, drag. He wanted to make a political statement, so he wore smeared lipstick and combat boots. As RuPaul later said, it was a big middle finger to the conservative Reagan 80s. But what happened next shocked even Rue. Folks from across the straight and LGBTQ spectrum started looking at him differently and reacting positively to his look. Interesting. RuPaul and the U-Hauls began opening for other groups. Rue started making a modest name for himself on the Atlanta punk rock circuit. And in 1984, he decided to take a crack at his childhood dream. New York City. RuPaul started go-go dancing on the Manhattan underground scene. And based on the reaction he got to his look in Atlanta, he started working on a new act that was androgynous. It wasn't full drag, but it blurred the lines a la Bowie. It was the 80s, and if you knew where to go in New York City, you could party at six clubs a night, seven days a week. So that's exactly what he did. RuPaul's stage of choice was the Pyramid Club in the East Village. Not only because it boasted clientele like Madonna, but because it was a safe haven for the gay and drag communities. But there was another reason RuPaul loved the Pyramid Club. After the lights came on and the disco ball stopped spinning, the owners let him store his belongings in the basement. Then, he'd walk to a nearby park or pier to sleep each night. But as the temperature plunged, so did his options. And after just six months, RuPaul says New York City spit him right back out. By the holidays, he had moved back to Atlanta and back in with his sister. Hold that thought. We'll be right back. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. RuPaul continued honing his androgyny act in Atlanta. It was good, but it wasn't going to make him famous. If he wanted to take it to the next level, he knew he better work. Anytime he incorporated elements of drag into his act, the crowd went wild. He realized drag might be the special ingredient that put any show over the top. He looked in the mirror and realized, with his cheekbones, nose, and long legs, maybe he was on to something. He never forgot the way people reacted when RuPaul and the U-Hauls dressed in combat boots and lipstick. So he concocted his first true drag persona, inspired by Soul Train. He wore primary colored eyeshadow, six inch heels, and a giant white afro that made an already six foot four RuPaul even more towering. He called the character Star Booty. Then RuPaul did something else that was brand new. He decided if he wanted to truly wow the audience and maybe make some money, he'd have to commit 100% to the character. So for the first time in his life, he shaved his legs and his chest and put on a sock-stuffed bra. It felt weird. RuPaul had spent a lifetime admiring boundary-pushing, gender-bending nonconformists. But staring at himself in full drag in the mirror, even he had to step back and deconstruct and dismantle his own relationship with gender identity. Suddenly, he realized he wanted to do drag for more than just the political commentary. He also wanted to do it because it made him feel powerful. He held in his makeup bag the key to unlocking the very shackles that had plagued him his whole life. Drag had no rules. Now he could be whoever he wanted to be. Just like Bowie. RuPaul started doing star booty full time and got a high off the reaction. People were calling him beautiful. And eventually, he gained the confidence to take star booty to the Big Apple. RuPaul jumped right back into go-go dancing while trying to get star booty on the bill at major venues. He slipped seamlessly back into what was known as club kid culture, partying, drinking, and dancing at the coolest Manhattan hotspots in an unprecedented clash of art, fashion, and drag. It was an amazing experience. One day, there was a new music seminar at the Marriott Marquis in Times Square. It was an annual event that put unsigned artists together with music industry folk through panels and networking events. RuPaul couldn't afford a ticket, but he stood outside in full drag hoping to gain attention. He wore his hair in a mohawk, a loincloth, football shoulder pads, and cut up pieces of garbage cans cascading down his back, 
with thigh-high boots and a crop top. It was certainly eye-catching, and it turned the head of one person in particular, Randy Barbado. Barbado was in a band called The Fabulous Pop-Tarts with his friend Fenton Bailey, and the three got talking. RuPaul later describes meeting the pair as nothing short of serendipitous. He says reflected in Barbado's eyes, RuPaul could see everything he had been working toward in his career. He felt instantly seen and understood. Bailey later said it was clear RuPaul was a star. The rest of the world just had to catch up. So Bailey and Barbado made a decision to become RuPaul's managers and friends. Not in spite of his loincloth and mohawk, but because of them. By 1988, RuPaul hadn't made a dime. He was a fixture in the club kid underground world, but the money was above ground, and the subterranean nature of drag made it impossible to break through. He couldn't afford food, so he survived solely on seltzer water and popcorn from the local movie theater, where his friend worked. He plastered RuPaul posters all over the city, he go-go danced, he manned coat check at a hotel on the Lower East Side. But it wasn't enough. And for a soul-crushing second time, RuPaul was forced to sashay away from New York, this time crashing at his sister's place in Los Angeles. RuPaul was a 28-year-old broke, undiscovered drag queen sleeping on his little sister's couch, 3,000 miles from where he wanted to be. After 11 years of non-stop hustling, he felt completely lost, wondering if he should just take the hint and give up altogether. He was spiritually bankrupt and began contemplating suicide. One day, a friend of RuPaul's who was a DJ in Manhattan called him on the phone. He said, what are you doing? You're a star. Get back to New York. I'll pay for your flight. RuPaul was at the end of his rope. Going back a third time felt like ignoring the universe's stage direction. But an ember was still flickering inside of him, so he accepted his friend's offer. But before he hopped the flight, he made a decision. This time, he was going all out. No more androgyny, no more star booty. This time, he'd go full glamazon. He wanted to create a caricature, something someone could draw on a page and be recognizable. So he took two parts Cher, three parts Diana Ross, a dash of Dolly Parton, a little David Bowie, a pinch of James Brown, and a smattering of Bugs Bunny. He was as beautiful as he wanted to be, as outspoken, as masculine, as feminine, and as over the top. A political statement and a sense of power. And just like that, he flew back to New York. The response to his new look was overwhelming. He blew every other drag show out of the water. Almost overnight, RuPaul was named the Queen of New York by the Manhattan club scene. Suddenly, he became the featured act at all the major venues. And before he knew it, he was headed above ground. 
He landed a role as a dancer wearing next to nothing in the B-52's Love Shack music video. It was a dream come true. He started working on an album of his own and approached Bailey and Barbado to produce it. The record was aptly titled Supermodel of the World. It was rejected by every record company in New York. Then the tape fell into the hands of an executive over at Tommy Boy Records. Tommy Boy was known for signing grunge and rap artists, but they loved it and released the first single called Supermodel, You Better Work. Supermodel, You Better Work became one of the best-selling dance tracks of 1993, peaking at number two on the Billboard dance chart. Two other songs on the album also charted. And on the heels of that success, RuPaul landed his first true big break, an interview on the Arsenio Hall show, which he did in full drag. He knew in that moment that nothing would ever be the same. He said he had taken the sexualized raunchiness out of drag and created a Glamazon supermodel caricature that you could bring home to meet mom and dad. He was well-spoken and non-threatening. As he said, he was Miss Black America. Now not only was he certified above ground, but he was up in the stars. In 1994, MAC Cosmetics was knee-deep in controversy. The makeup brand decided to hand out condoms at its beauty counters. It was the height of the AIDS epidemic. Cases had soared to 2.5 million globally. So MAC decided to launch its first ever Viva Glam lipstick, with 100% of the proceeds going to the MAC AIDS Fund. While other companies touted Cindy Crawford or Christy Turlington as the faces of their brands, Mac decided to zig and use someone who represented the largely affected gay community. And who better than the Queen of New York, RuPaul. It was the first time a drag queen had landed a deal with a major makeup brand, a massive leap for LGBTQ representation, and a massive leap for RuPaul. The campaign featured a scantily clad Rue in a red bustier and matching thigh-high boots, spelling out each letter of Viva Glam with his body. It piled on the controversy for MAC Cosmetics. Department stores refused to display it, and customers didn't know what to make of it. MAC founder Frank Toskin said people thought they were absolutely crazy. But MAC wanted a voice that was loud enough to make an impact. Plus, as RuPaul said, what better way to show the power of makeup than if a six foot four black man can look like a supermodel? The following year, RuPaul appeared at the VH1 Fashion and Music Awards, presenting the award for Female Model of the Year. He wore a Victoria's Secret-esque bodysuit, complete with massive, cascading white wings. He was beautiful, funny, and completely captivating. So that year, VH1 approached RuPaul, along with Bailey and Barbados production company World of Wonder, about creating a talk variety show. A huge opportunity. They called it The RuPaul Show. And in 1996, television's first openly gay male talk show host appeared on VH1 Saturday and Monday nights. 
RuPaul did every episode in full drag. His first guest was Ru's ultimate icon and lifelong muse, Diana Ross. Followed by Cher, NSYNC, Little Richard, Whoopi Goldberg, Dennis Rodman, Mary Tyler Moore, and Olivia Newton-John. It was the gig of a lifetime. But after 100 episodes, the RuPaul show was abruptly canceled. The series received pushback from viewers. A former VH1 executive said people were uncomfortable with the idea of a gay man in drag. It became challenging for the network to fill advertising slots. And eventually, it was difficult to book guests on the show. There was resistance to putting a big artist or a straight male artist with a straight male fan base on a drag queen's talk show. RuPaul was devastated. He moved to Los Angeles and retreated from show business for eight years. RuPaul was ready to hang up his wig and retire for a quiet life with his partner, George. He was now in his 40s and exhausted. Then in 2006, World of Wonder hired a new head of development who asked, why aren't we doing something with RuPaul? So Bailey and Barbado approached Ru to delay his retirement and come up with a new television show idea. He was skeptical, but he figured if he did it for the right reasons, the very reason San Diego Ruru danced around the living room in his mother's dresses, he would consider it. This time, he wanted it to be for color and love and laughter and creativity. Those were the things that got him up in the morning. So he took a meeting with the World of Wonder development team and said he only had one rule. He'd do anything but a competition elimination show. But after three or four days of discussion, the head of development suggested a play on the term drag race. And RuPaul said, okay, let's do a competition elimination show. With Bailey and Barbado behind him, he felt in safe hands, later saying he trusts the pair so implicitly that he knows nothing would ever go to air that made him look bad. It was 2008, and with the Obama movement in full swing, RuPaul said he could feel in his bones that it was the right time. World of Wonder began shopping the concept around to networks. Bravo turned them down. Then E. They said it was a great pitch and they loved RuPaul. But as World of Wonder's head of development tells it, the network said they just, quote, couldn't do the drag thing. Then World of Wonder approached Logo TV. Logo was a fledgling network founded by a former MTV executive geared toward the LGBTQ community. Bailey and Barbado won over the producers and Logo bought their show on the spot. In 2009, RuPaul's Drag Race premiered. They shot the low-budget series in a Burbank basement. The lighting was bad, the control room was a closet, and they used hazy camera lenses that made the whole show look orange and blurry. It featured nine drag queen hopefuls competing to be America's next drag superstar. They created their own looks and competed in weekly challenges like lip syncing and performing skits. The winner received a cash prize of $20,000 and a hefty supply of MAC Cosmetics. 
On the surface, the series was wild. It was over-the-top, irreverent, suggestive, and at times, even crude. But underneath the makeup, the hairspray, and the padding, it told a story of determination. That marginalized people weren't to be feared, but instead, deserving of a space to be themselves and share their struggles. And perhaps above all, it told the world they didn't have to limit themselves to the box checked off on their driver's license. RuPaul's Drag Race was not an overnight sensation. In fact, Nielsen didn't even rate the first season. But despite the hazy camera work and the audience's newfound knowledge of the word tuck, its following grew. In 2013, the show landed on Netflix, and in 2017, it found a new home at VH1, where its viewership virtually doubled. The cash prize soared to $100,000. Season 9's premiere clocked in 1 million viewers. The show reached certified cult status. And the boy named after Gumbo went from Queen of New York to Queen of the World. The rest, as they say, is herstory. If persistence is the load-bearing wall of success, then this story is the Empire State Building. Because RuPaul did not find success until he was 49 years old. In his own words, his superpower was the fact he didn't fit in. He found a strange freedom in that, because it allowed him, as he says, to play with all the toys and colors. Not fitting in gave him latitude, an attitude. He was inspired by his heroes, and not all heroes wear capes. Some wear makeup and fishnet stockings. A gay kid in a conservative town sees Monty Python in drag and suddenly feels less alone. Barbarella, Bowie, the B-52s, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. But it takes a while to discover yourself, to absorb all the influences, put the flavors through a blender, tinker with the dials, and re-emerge as something different. Someone once said, you drink Gatorade, but what you sweat is your own. RuPaul drank it all in, but it was no overnight sensation. He had to weather rejections at every turn. He was abandoned by his father, taunted at school. He was shunned by white people, black people, and gay people. He was rejected by record companies and turned down by TV networks. Several times, he lost faith in his own ability. He tried to tackle New York twice and ended up sleeping on park benches. After 11 years of working and pitching and struggling, he couldn't even afford food. Then, just when RuPaul lands a TV show and starts to get a little traction, it's cancelled. He's devastated and disappears for eight years. But just like Ed Sheeran and Lady Gaga and the Duffer Brothers, it's the persistence his management team, who never stopped believing in him, even after eight years in the wilderness, persuades RuPaul to create another television idea. He's skeptical, but decides to go all in this time and creates the only show he would consider doing. That show becomes a runaway smash. That show gives other performers like him a valuable portal. That show makes RuPaul a major star. 
all at 49 years of age. If you ever thought the window has closed, or that your time has passed, or that age is a roadblock, remember these words from RuPaul. He said, The biggest obstacle I ever faced was my own limited perception of myself. So many hurdles and barriers in life are artificial. Never, ever give up. RuPaul Andre Charles, outstanding host of a reality slash competition program, Emmy Award winner, 2016, 2017, 2018, and 2019. Drag Race, Total Emmys, 13. Best Reality Show Host, Critics' Choice Awards. Star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, inducted by Jane Fonda. Remember, if you can't love yourself, how the hell you gonna love somebody else? The Rejection Podcast is an apostrophe podcast production and is recorded in an Airstream mobile recording studio. This episode is hosted and written by me, Sydney O'Reilly. Research, Allison Pinches. Producer, Debbie O'Reilly. Engineer, Keith Oman. Director, Callie O'Reilly. Theme music by Ian Lefevre and Ari Posner. Major sources for this episode are listed in the show notes on our website apostrophepodcasts.ca slash rejection. Follow us on social at apostrophepod. If you're interested in advertising on our show, by all means, message us on our site. We regret to inform you this series is executive produced by Terry O'Reilly. See you next time. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.